0: Grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Now when you think of Christian holidays, which ones do you think of? Most folks only think of two. What are they? Help me out. The two Christian holidays are what? Easter and Christmas or Christmas and Easter, whichever way you want to say that, all right? Christmas, of course, is where we celebrate the birth. Of Christ Jesus, and Easter is where we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Maybe you would throw Thanksgiving in there as well as a third. That's certainly a Christian holiday, but I mean it's more of an American Christian holiday. Christians all over the world celebrate Easter and Christmas, but but typically only Americans celebrate Thanksgiving. But this morning, I want to submit to you that there is a third worldwide Christian holiday that we should celebrate every year. Yet, to be honest, many neglect it. In fact, many of you in this room perhaps have never really celebrated it. It's the holiday of Pentecost. Beloved Christmas is certainly important, right? That's when the Son of God took on flesh and dwelt among us. Through the Virgin Mary, he became... The Deus Homo, which Anselm famously said in Latin, the God-man, born into this world as truly God, truly man as the Messiah Christ, come to save us from our sins. So Christmas, yes, important. Easter, again, certainly important. You could even make an argument that Easter is of utmost importance because 1 Corinthians 15 basically says if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we are men to be most pitied because our faith is in vain and we're still covered in our sins and still face an everlasting hell if Christ wasn't raised from the dead. And so Christmas and Easter, they are important holidays. But again, I submit to you this morning that Pentecost is as well. You see, on this day, almost 2,000 years ago, God poured out the Holy Spirit onto and into all of his people this was monumental world shaking life changing it was a watershed moment just like the birth of christ changed everything and the resurrection of christ changed everything the pouring out of the holy spirit onto and into all of god's people changed everything and just like we see and experience god's glorious grace in the holidays of Christmas and, and Easter, may we see and experience God's glorious grace in the holiday of Pentecost. And so in this sense of the world, Baptists should be the most Pentecostal people on planet Earth. <laughs> now I ain't talking about all the excesses that we can see manifested, uh, manifested in the worship gatherings of our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. No, no, I mean that we should glory with all of our beings in God's grace to us in this holiday that we call Pentecost. Praise God He poured out His Spirit on us. Praise God that He did what He promised He would do. And so I, I say to you, Collinsville First Baptist Church, Happy Pentecost Sunday. Today we conclude our season of Eastertide, which is the 50-day season from Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday. And here's today's takeaway, just very simple on this Pentecost Sunday. I pray that you would realize and rejoice in God's glorious grace to us in Pentecost. Now, as you might imagine, our text today is the beautiful account of the first Pentecost Sunday. Right here in Acts chapter 2. I want to invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word We're just going to read at this point the first 21 verses of Acts chapter 2. And here's what it says. The word of the Lord this morning. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and it suddenly came there from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. of us in his own native language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrenes, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. By this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my, uh, my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show signs and wonders in the heavens above and on the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Then the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thus ends the reading of God's Word. Let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you, and I pray that you would drive home for us what you did here in Acts chapter 2. This was monumental lord and we live in light of it and so father help us to do that today help us to realize this realize it and help us to rejoice in it and father i want to pray this morning for the person who's never turned from sin and trusted christ pentecost came in one sense so that the world would know about this christ and we're here today proclaiming it by our words and by our gathered witness and so if there's a person here this morning who's never turned from sin and trust to Christ, may they do so today. May the Holy Spirit draw them and may your people be a witness unto them of how good you are to all who will call on the name of the Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Well, amen and amen. Well, grab your seat there. So that we can fully realize God's glorious grace to us in Pentecost and we can fully rejoice in God's glorious grace to us in Pentecost I want to point us to four concepts this morning concerning Pentecost First is the uh, uh, the concept of the promise of Pentecost Now it's really important as we come into this that we understand that the first Christian Pentecost was not the first celebration of Pentecost Pentecost. No, no, no. The Jews had been celebrating Pentecost for something like 1300 to 1500 years. God told them to. He told them to right there in Exodus 34, verse 22. There we read this. This was part of the giving of the old covenant law as they were coming out of the land of Egypt. And so this is as old as the children of Israel leaving Egypt, okay? Exodus 34, verse 22. You shall observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of wheat harvest. Now, it's described in full detail. If you were to go to Leviticus 23, we're not going to read that this morning, but I'd encourage you to read it, make note of it, go back and read it later today. Now, in Hebrew, the word for weeks, you heard feast of weeks, is the Hebrew word Shavat. Shavat. So in Hebrew circles, this festival is known simply as Shavuot, or weeks, but it commonly became called Pentecost. Pentecost. You see, Pentecost is the Greek word for 50, essentially, okay? It comes from the Greek word for 50, and by this point pretty much all of the Mediterranean region and all of that part of the world was speaking Greek as their common language. And so even the Jews began to call the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, they began to call it Pentecost. You see, because it was and is exactly 50 days after the festival of first fruits, which came after Passover. It was the Sunday after Passover. Passover. Now, now, are you trekking with me here? It can kind of get confusing, okay? So let me just kind of break it down for you, okay? So Passover would happen on what day? Thursday, right? Passover was on a Thursday. And immediately following Passover on that coming Sunday would be the festival of first fruits. Okay? The festival of first fruits was it was when Israel was to bring a bundle of the first fruits of their grain harvest the priests, and they would wave that before the Lord. The priests would keep the wheat, but they would wave it before the Lord to say, Lord, thanks for providing for us. And again, this would happen on the Sunday after the Passover. And then Pentecost would happen seven weeks after that on the 50th day, which was a Sunday. Again, that's why it's called the Festival of Weeks. It was seven weeks After the festival of first fruits, seven days times seven weeks is 49 days plus one for that first fruit Sunday. That makes 50. Now, Pentecost is a harvest festival. It's when, again, the people would bring to the temple an offering to God part of their full wheat harvest. Now, watch this. This is really cool, all right? In the Jewish religion, again, you have Passover on Thursday, followed immediately by First Fruit Sunday followed by 50 days later, Pentecost, again a harvest festival. This is all Old Covenant, but I want you to look at what the Lord did here in the New Covenant for you and for me. What happened on that Passover, that that Passover before Jesus was crucified? We have the institution of what? The Lord's Supper. And just three days later, on what was actually the festival of first fruits guess what we have now in the new covenant we have the resurrection of jesus christ christ the bible tells us was the first fruits of our resurrection and then 50 days later the holy spirit was poured out on pentecost again which is a a, a, it's a it's a harvest festival and and what we're going to see here in acts chapter 2 that that pentecost was here in jerusalem after Jesus' resurrection was a harvest it was a harvest of souls isn't that amazing don't you love how god does those sorts of things those three things passover first fruits and pentecost these were not new holidays that god was giving us he was fulfilling what those holidays were ultimately preparing the world for so jesus was the fulfillment of passover and of first fruits, and the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of Pentecost. So, these Jewish holidays, they were precursors, they were types, preparing us for what God was going to do in the new covenant. But here's the deal Pentecost wasn't just promised through the vagueness of topology, no, it was explicitly promised. For instance, check this out Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, verse 24 through 27, here's what the Lord told his people. He said, I'll take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your land. I will sprinkle you clean with water, and you shall be clean from all your, unclean- uh, all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I'll cleanse you, and I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Did you hear what God said? He gave a very specific promise here. He says, I will put my spirit in you. And God said a very similar thing through prophet Joel. Joel 2, verse 28 and 29. Joel 2, 28 and 29. The Lord said, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. You see, that's exactly what Apostle Peter was quoting there in Acts chapter 2. He's trying to help the crowd to understand that what they are seeing and what they are hearing is a fulfillment of what Joel had said, what God had said through Joel. We've already read it there in Acts chapter 2, so we're not going to read it again. But Joel was promising the fullness of Pentecost, and Peter says it's here, y'all. But what we see here at Pentecost, not only was it promised by the prophets but it was also promised by Jesus himself Jesus promised in John 14 15 through 17 here's what Jesus said John 14 15 through 17 Jesus said if you love me you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the Father here it is and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even what the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, before it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. And listen to this, and will be in you. John 15, 26, it's the next chapter. Jesus continues. He says, Now I'm gonna, now, now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Listen to this. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they don't believe in him. Or don't believe in me, he said. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And Jesus is on a roll here. He doesn't quit. He, again, he says even further there. Actually, that was John 16, 5 through 11. But if we go back to John fifteen twenty six. John 15, 26, here's what he says. He says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And so all through this moment, in John 14, John 15, John 16, Jesus is promising this, uh, promising this, this, this Holy Spirit. He's coming, he's coming, he's, he's coming. And right before he ascended into heaven, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5, and then verse 8. Here's what Jesus said. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, listen to this, for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8 but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And beloved, that's exactly what happened 10 days later. Remember, Jesus, after he was resurrected, he ministered and, 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 and traveled around for 40 days after he was resurrected. So between his resurrection and his ascension, there were 40 days. And then 10 days they had to go and wait, Fifty days after Jesus was, uh, was resurrected, the, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. Beloved, as you hear all of this, isn't God amazing? He planned all of this over the course of hundreds and hundreds of years, and here the promise of Pentecost has come to pass. The Helper, or maybe your translation says the Comforter, or maybe your translation says the Advocate, The Greek word is the paraclete. The Holy Spirit was poured out on and put into God's people as promised. So that's the first concept that will help you and me to fully realize and rejoice in God's glorious grace to us in Pentecost. Here's the second thing, the second concept, and that is the purpose of Pentecost. The purpose of Pentecost. Now, the ultimate purpose of Pentecost was this. To put God in his people. And here's the deal. No human being had ever experienced that before. God had been with them. God had led them. And many people like Moses and David and and, and several others had been anointed, specifically with the Holy Spirit, for the task that they were called to do. But nobody had ever had God in them. Like what was about to happen at Pentecost. And like what you and I now have in Jesus Christ, in the new covenant. Beloved, I want you to consider this. Having the Holy Spirit inside of you is better than having Jesus Christ beside you. Let me say it again. Having the Holy Spirit inside of you Is better than having Jesus Christ beside you. Remember, we just read a moment ago in John 16, Jesus said that it's to our advantage that he goes away so that the Holy Spirit can come. And what was God's ultimate purpose in Pentecost? It's to get God in us. But what difference does that make? Now, to be honest, we've already read All of the passages of Scripture that help us to understand the difference that this makes. And we're not going to read them again. I just want to reference back to them. In Ezekiel 36, we read that the pouring out of the Holy Spirit would enable you and me to walk in God's statutes and to obey His rules. In other words, we would be able to live for God. In Joel 3, we read that the pouring out of the Holy Spirit would enable us to prophesy and dream dreams and see visions. In John 14, we read that the pouring out of the Holy Spirit would help us keep God's commandments and to understand truth. John 15, we read that the pouring out of the Holy Spirit would help you and me to, uh, and the world to see Jesus for who He really is. In John 16, we read that the pouring out of the Holy Spirit would convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and, and judgment. And then we read in Acts 1. We read that the pouring out of the Holy Spirit would empower you and me to be witnesses of Christ and for Christ wherever we go in this world. Yet there's one more verse that I would like to to point you to this morning to help you recognize the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We haven't read it yet, so I want to hit it. And that's Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. And here's what it says. In Him, that's in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So, beloved, in the Holy Spirit, it's Him that seals our salvation when we come to Christ. So let me ask, after hearing all of that, from Ezekiel to Ephesians, does the Holy Spirit in you, God in you, does it make a difference? And the answer is what? Yeah. It makes all the difference in the world. Praise God that He poured out His Spirit onto us and into all of His people. What a glorious purpose God had in the grace of Pentecost. Well, now that we've considered the concepts of the promise and the purpose of Pentecost, I want to move to the third concept, and it's this, the product of Pentecost. The product of Pentecost. This will help you and me as we understand this to to fully realize and rejoice in God's glorious grace to us in Pentecost. And right here in our text, we see some amazing things. First, we see in Acts 2.2, it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. I bet if the news came and interviewed them after that, they said, I don't know, but it just sounded like a train was coming. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a tornado, man. So there's this auditory manifestation of the Holy Spirit like a mighty blowing wind. I mean, can you just imagine it? Can you hear it? Think of the strongest wind you've ever heard. I bet it sounded like that. And then we read in Acts uh, Acts 2-3 there. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So not only was there an auditory, manifestation of the Holy Spirit there was also a visual manifestation of the Holy Spirit you might be thinking what in the world is the divided tongue of fire well I take that to mean that it wasn't just one tongue maybe it started as one tongue but then it divided into a bunch of different tongues NIV says it more straightforwardly they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. Now Acts 1.15 tells you to me that there were about 120 people there in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So there must have been at least 120 tongues that separated and fell down from heaven and rested on each person. And then we read in Acts 2.4 and they were off filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there was also not just auditory and visual, there was also an experiential manifestation of the Holy Spirit here. These fiery tongues resting on them caused them to begin to to speak in tongues. Can you imagine what that sounded like? Now, I want to say here, lovingly say, that many today, they they misunderstand the manifestation of the gift of tongues. They would argue that that tongue speaking is just ecstatic utterances that are completely a language that nobody on earth knows. But I want to say to you this morning, that is not the gift of tongues. People in Acts chapter 2 were not speaking tongues gibberish and I'm not even going to try okay, to speak what maybe some folks think that tongue speaking is if you want to know what it sounded like read the Bible look at Acts chapter 2 verse 5 through 11 now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors for Rome, both Jews and proselytes cretans and arabians we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of god you see beloved they were not speaking gibberish they were speaking known languages on earth it's just that they had never learned them they were speaking by the power of the holy spirit known human languages that they had never learned you see the greek word translated as tongues here is glosa Glossa is also the greek word for languages so when the bible says they were speaking other tongues they were speaking other languages tongues equals languages it would be like me all of a sudden be able to speak chinese russian swahili which i have never I've never studied, man. If I I were to do that, I mean, it would be gibberish if I were to try to speak those languages. I could maybe mimic some of their accent. Again, I'm not even going to try that. But that's what tongue speaking is biblically. These Galileans on the day of Pentecost, they were speaking the languages that were represented in that crowd. And there were a bunch of different folks there. Look, I don't have time to go into this, but if you go to the book of Genesis around the... I don't know, 8th, ninth chapter, I don't know, somewhere in there, 7th chapter, you you read about the Tower of Babel. Do you remember that? The Tower of Babel is when God, everybody spoke the same language before the the Tower of Babel. And in that moment, God said, I ain't going to have this anymore. And he came down and he confused the languages so that everybody began to speak languages that they couldn't understand. One guy was over here and all of a sudden he began speaking like, I have no idea what he's saying. He's he's speaking a language I've never heard before. Pentecost is the reversal of Babel. Pentecost is the reversal of Babel where God confused the languages so that there may become divisions amongst the people on earth. In Pentecost, God is removing those divisions and saying to the world, Jesus Christ is the Savior of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Pentecost is Babel reversed. So what was the product of Pentecost? Well, again, auditory manifestation, visual manifestation, experiential manifestation, but the Holy Spirit wasn't done. He was producing power to witness about Jesus here. Remember, this was probably the same... Well, I mean, it wasn't the same crowd. But this was the same city. This is just 50 days later, after Jesus had been crucified. This is the same place where they just killed the Messiah Christ. And there's a likelihood that they would be killed as well. Yet the people, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they fearlessly powerfully begin to witness about God. Notice again, Acts 2, 11. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And then we see Peter step forward. No longer speaking in other languages, now he's speaking in the language, the common language of the people there. And he begins to witness about jesus again this is the saint peter just 50 days earlier who had denied christ i don't know him i don't know him i don't know him and here he is stepping up before this massive crowd several thousands and witnessing about the life the death and resurrection of jesus and y'all it's a beautiful sermon it is a powerful message i wish we had time this morning to read it but we don't again take note of it read it today before the day's over but this is what had been promised by jesus isn't it in acts 1 8 but you will receive power when the holy spirits come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the end of the earth these disciples were experiencing that very thing Right here, and man, the Holy Spirit was moving, empowering Jesus' disciples to to witness. But not only that, the Holy Spirit was producing even more. You see, suddenly the crowd, because of the Holy Spirit, became convicted of their sins. They saw their need for Jesus. It was all the Holy Spirit who who was bringing this to pass, it was Holy Spirit wrought. So look at Acts 2, 37 through 40. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord, our God, calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And guess what happened? People got saved. Remember, pentecost under the old covenant it was a celebration of the harvest and under the new covenant that's exactly what happened at pentecost a harvest of souls masses of people got saved we read in verse 41 there so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about three thousand souls could you imagine If that happened right here in the Collinsville region, wouldn't you love to see the Holy Spirit be poured out in such a way that 3,000 people in one day came to know Christ as Savior? But the Holy Spirit wasn't done. What else did He produce at Pentecost? Well, He produced unity, fellowship, joy, discipleship, worship, Christian care amongst all of these thousands of new Christians. Look at Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Skip to verse 44. And all who believed were together and had things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all But not only that, look at verse 43. The Holy Spirit produced awe. Awe came upon every soul. And the Holy Spirit produced many wonders and signs that were being done through the apostles. And guess what? The harvest didn't stop. The harvest didn't stop because we read there at the end of verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Beloved, God just dropped a Holy Spirit bomb on them. And all sorts of the goodness of God were exploding out onto this people and into this people and into this community. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the Holy Spirit produces. So we've considered the promise, the purpose, and the product. Let's close today considering the perpetuity. The perpetuity of Pentecost. Beloved, Pentecost echoes forward into Collinsville, Mississippi on May 28, 2023, and in perpetuity, right? It will echo on until the end of the age forever, right? Its effects, they're still impacting us. Now, the auditory, visual, experiential, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, they've now faded, but the Holy Spirit's still with us. He's still active. He's still working. He's still moving in and around us. Every person who comes to christ is baptized in the holy spirit and is filled with the holy spirit empowering you and me to live for god and to love god enabling us to foretell the truth of god to discern what's right and wrong propelling us to witness to the uh, to the world comforting us helping us encouraging us especially when we fall into despair Charles Spurgeon, he once said this. He said, The Holy Spirit at this present moment is our friend and comforter, sustaining the sinking spirits of believers, applying the precious promises, revealing the love of Jesus Christ to the heart. Many a heart would break if the Spirit of God had not comforted it. Many of God's dear children would have utterly died, by the way, if He had not bestowed upon them his divine consolations to cheer their pilgrimage. and Thank God for the Holy Spirit in us. But He's not just working in us. He's working in the world. He's still actively working to convict people of their sin, ma- magnifying Christ, drawing people to Christ, causing them to be born again, and then sealing their salvation once they come to Christ. So i say to you this morning on Pentecost Sunday, What would we do without the Holy Spirit? What would we do without the Holy Spirit? We as Baptists too often downplay the role of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we can't say enough about what God does in and through the Holy Spirit. Praise God that He poured out His Spirit onto and into all His. God has graciously and marvelously loved us at Pentecost. Here's my final prayer this morning. May the glories of Pentecost power. May the glories of Pentecost empower us forward with God and for God wherever.